Uh, and then just let me say concerning the, uh, the fairgrounds coming up uh, for that day, we'd, uh, we'd encourage you, uh, if you would, we're going to wear our Where's Frank t-shirts out there and uh, have the opportunity to witness people and uh, people ask, hey, what's up with this? So we're excited about that and uh, just really looking forward to see all the great things that God's going to do. I'm just still amazed again. I mean, if, if it really grips us, I don't know, in today's world when so much is going on, to be invited to come to the El Dorado County Fairground and do a church service, that's crazy in our day. And uh, so just the favor of God in that respect and so we're excited that you would come and be a part of that with us and uh, a great great day amen hallelujah and then uh, this morning just before we get started uh, we want to uh, take just a moment uh, in second service as Sean said this is our school of ministry graduation day and um, we're just always been blessed 20 uh, man 24 years ago 92 we started what we call leadership training and the goal was, how do you raise up people in the body of Christ to be leaders, to be servants, to know the word and to be equipped? And uh, we started on our, we had a little rent in a house at that time. We had a little covered back porch. We had 26 people show up and uh, sit there on Thursday nights. And we did classes and did different things. We just put together leadership things. We had pastors from the area who would come in and teach and all that. But over the years, that's evolved and grown. And now we have just an awesome Bible school. That, that's a great part of what we offer here and uh, for ministry. And I encourage you, maybe you've thought about it. People say, well, I'd go to Bible school, but I don't know, uh, you know that I want to give that time or do that. The cool thing about it, you, can take, you don't have to do the whole program. You can take a part, one class. You can find classes. That, that are interested, that you'd be interested in, and, and topics and things. So it's great stuff there that is there. We go through the whole Bible through that, but so many different areas there that you can be a part of. But this morning, uh, we're just going to interrupt a little bit of this service because one of our young men is, uh, that's graduating also has a, a job that he has to be at at 10 o'clock, and so he won't be able to be here for that service. So this morning, we're going to recognize uh, Sam Flory. But uh, Sam, come on up here, buddy. In fact, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. How you been? We should have made you put your whole garb on. All right, well, I'll preach. You can put your stuff on it. Amen. Um, in fact, uh, if you want to know how important the Lord's gym is, this is the product of the Lord's gym. The young man who came and through the Lord's gym, uh, God reached out and touched uh, Sam's life, gave him a great relationship with Sean, and uh, just began speaking into his life, mentoring, loving on him. And uh, so you look at that, and now he's... Got a call of God on his life, pursuing that call and preparing for that call. But you go, you know what? Uh, you never know. There, we don't know. It, it might have been, maybe, but uh, I, I know that God used the gym. He may have found his way here sooner or later, but I believe that through the gym, God really ordained that. And uh, so many of uh, folks have been touched and ministered through that. So again, thank you so much for being a part of that. Sam, I'm just going to charge you for a moment, and then we're going to pray for you and give you a graduation because you miss out on this but we'll make sure you don't amen, amen. so uh, let me just say this preparing for the call is what I'm going to speak to the other about but I feel God has something even specific for you this morning when it comes to the call of God there's only one thing we can do and that's prepare we don't get to design it. We don't get to shape it. We don't get to uh, really get a choice on what God calls us to do he asks us to prepare and there's something interesting when it comes to the call of God. What God does is every man or woman that he uses, he shapes him in a crucible. And he takes us through fires at times. And the reason he does that is because there's character that he needs in us that he also has to develop. So to be a man or woman of God, you have to have integrity. You have to have character. You have to be proven in realms of faithfulness. And that Paul even says that if we desire, anybody desires to be a bishop or an elder, uh, an overseer in the church, that they're, they're to be proved, they're to be tested, it's to be seen that they've passed that test of preparation. So the only thing we can do when it comes to answering the call is to prepare. 
Paul wrote to Timothy, study and show yourself approved unto God. Why? So you can rightly divide the word. The American Standard Version says like this, Give diligence to present yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth. So being a man of God means that I am a man of the word. And I prepare and I know how to handle that word correctly. See, the only thing that we have to give people is the word. Really, everything we do in church, all the pomp, all the circumstance, all the buildings, all the structures, all the programs, that isn't what changes lives. It's the Word of God. Jesus said, you are already clean by the Word that I have spoken to you. The Word of God is what transforms us and changes lives. I want you to hear this this morning. The joy of ministry is working with people. The challenge of ministry is working with people. (laughs) And the only ministry God has for anyone is working with people. The joy of ministering is giving your life away for people. The challenge of ministry is giving your life away for people. The only thing God asks anyone to do for Him, though, is to give your life away for people. If you can learn to do that, if you can learn in spite of everything else, in spite of all the challenges, all the trials, that God wants you to give your life away for people. And regardless of how they respond, how they react, how they treat you, then you just continue to say, Lord, I'll give my life away for people because you gave your life away for me. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he said this, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, And because of his appearing in his kingdom, proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myth. But as for you, Paul said to Timothy, be serious about everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Sam Flory, do the work and fulfill the ministry and let God shape you through that crucible that He takes every man and woman of God through and bring you out on the other side so that He can get glory for His name through your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sean, come on up here. You can read that and present that. (laughs) We're we're ad-libbing this because we found out on the way to church that uh, we had to do this. Amen. Read this part? No, read your... That's my part I just did. (laughs) You could read it again if you... Anything you have to say before you start, whatever. Here. No, you probably say something. We're recording this for him. No, we don't like that. I'm trying to hold my. No, stop it, Bill. I work out, so you guys don't think I'm a big softy, but I really am. No, it is. Um, Sam has been an amazing gift to this church and our life, and um, it's fun when you see that the gospel works. Amen. And. Uh, to take a young man that didn't have a family, that uh, supported him and believed in his dreams, and to give him a, a church family that could give him joy and hope and uh, show him true love and uh, unconditional love. And so it's been a fun journey, and I'm excited to see what's next. And many of you got to hear him do the communion one Sunday, and he truly is a preacher, and uh, he's going to do great things, and it's just a privilege, like Pastor said, to just be a part of what God's doing in his life. So, Sam, I'm proud of you, dude. You're an amazing young man, and uh, God's got some amazing stuff coming up. So, this morning, as a pastor here at Solid Rock Faith Center, we just want to recognize that Samuel Michael Flurry has completed two years of our school ministry training. And today, you receive your Associate of Ministry Arts here at Solid Rock Face Center, Sam.
Amen. Well, Sam, we just we lay our hands on you. Under the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said to Timothy, Son, I charge you, I charge you, according to the gifts that have been placed in your life, that you stir up your faith, that you stand strong, that you be faithful, that you run this race with patience, steadfast endurance, that you walk with a consistency before the Lord. That in your patience, you learn how to possess your soul. To bring your mind, your will, and your emotions under the authority of God's Word and His plan for your life. That you walk with Him and never try to run before Him. That you allow Him to shape your destiny. Him to plan your path. Him to set your course. Him to open the doors. Him to close the wrong ones. And Him to direct you through the right ones. So I charge you today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be a faithful man, to be content, to allow God's crucible to shape you, to mold you, refine you, and to understand that everything from your past, God, what the devil would use to bring failure, to bring destruction, to hinder and distract you, God rearranges, reshapes, and reforms to build character and strength through your life. To make you one who is able to minister to others through the comforts you've received. And we charge you with this call and this anointing to be a man of God. And to honor Him and bring glory to His name through your life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and march out. Go ahead and march out as you play the anthem. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. It'd be good if we could do that, had time to do that for everyone. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. He just wanted to be special, so he <laughs> has to do it here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 4. And uh, this morning I felt the Lord direct us and in sharing and even in dealing with this with the... Uh, with everything that school of ministry about and dealing with this, there's a, uh, a connection here to what I'll share in just these next brief moments with you. But in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John have been, uh, been arrested, have been questioned, have been examined, been threatened, and been told not to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ any longer. And uh, they had healed the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and they're arrested and they're brought before an inquisition there. And uh, then they're sent back and uh, they meet with the, the church and the congregation there and they bring the report. And in verse 29 it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So here they had been told not to speak. And then they go back and they gather together with the church and with the rest of the saints. And they say, now Lord, give us boldness to do what they told us not to do. They told us no longer to speak or to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But grant us the boldness to declare your word. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So God answered their prayer and their request. Amen? Now look at verse 32 and 33. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, neither did anyone say that any of his things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Father, I thank you in these few brief moments that we have left this morning that you will come by your Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes and enlighten our hearts to hear and to receive truth from your word that helps us, changes us, and transforms us that you might receive glory through our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago on Tuesday nights, we 
<coughs> the Lord kind of directed us, and, and uh, we began a little series just on grace. And uh, uh, I just, I'd, I'd encourage you if, you, if, if you've gotten out of the habit of, or, or you haven't made it a part of your schedule, to be in church. You will never hear enough of the Word of God. Uh, just in one service once a week or doing that or however that worked. But any time you give place to God and His work in your life or ministry in your life, there's always a harvest that comes out of it. You can never sow in a kingdom manner and not receive a harvest. Amen. And so being under the Word, being a part, being in fellowship. And then not only one thing we do on Tuesday nights is we're changing our Tuesday night and we have more of an altar time during that time in our prayer time and seeking the Lord about how to build and develop our prayer together. So most of our first, most of that service is us praying with one another and, and together with one another. Amen? And for one another. Praise the Lord. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. But look at the cover of your outline here. and we just dealing with some things about grace, but there's more to grace than what we think. So much of what we hear about grace today is just, we, it, it just is. And we see, I said it earlier about the fairground. The favor of God is upon us. Grace gives us favor. And, and part of that, if you grow in, that you grow in favor with men, you grow in stature and, and you grow in favor before God. But it's more than just favor. It's more than just blessing and benefit. It, it is literally the power of God. God's grace is His power at work in our life so that He can do and work His plan through our life. The definition there, I have it highlighted in blue. It means especially divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. Or in other words, grace literally comes to influence our lives. It's God's influence. His grace is an influence upon our life. Acts chapter 14 verse 26 says this, From there they sailed back to Antioch where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So I want you to get that. They have been entrusted to the grace of God. When we're praying over Sam, we're, we're entrusting him to the grace of God. We're commending him to that grace. To entrust or to commend means this. It means to entrust, to give charge, to deliver something with confidence. Acts 15 and verse 40 says this. And Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended to the grace of the Lord by their brothers. It's an amazing thought. Many times we don't hear much about this, but being commended to the grace of God or being entrusted to bring about the ministry that God has for our life. Acts chapter 2, verses 39 and 40 is speaking of the Lord Jesus. And uh, after he had been dedicated in the temple, it says, And when they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town, Nazareth. And the boy grew up and became strong. Filled with wisdom, and God's grace was upon him. And this is that scripture is what triggered us to begin this little study on Tuesday night. I just felt like it was important not just to keep it confined to everybody, but the whole congregation needs to hear this. Amen. And so with this, but God's grace is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't always think about grace being upon us. We, we hear it all the time. We are saved by grace. But what does that mean? We are saved by grace. And what does it mean that God's grace was upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, look at this with me, if you would. Hebrews 2 and verse 9 says this, But we are able to see Jesus, who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor because of having suffered death in order that by grace, unmerited favor of God to us sinners, he might experience death for every individual person. Or in other words, God's grace on Jesus worked unmerited favor on our behalf. Do you understand that? It wasn't God's favor on him to make him, in that area we take it, but God's grace working through Christ brought favor to your life and to my life. Are you with me this morning? It's so important to see that. The New Living Translation says it like this. What... Excuse me, what we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. So what if we told you today that God's grace might mean that you might have to taste death for somebody else's favor? That usually never gets an amen. I didn't think it would this morning. 
But that's literally what Jesus did. The grace of God was upon him, and the power of God was upon him, enabling him to do what God needed him to do in the earth so God might get his favor and his redemption to you. And so when God's grace works in our life, it comes, it is God comes in out of eternity into time through this work of grace in our life so that he might work through us. What, what we're, we're praying a call of God over Sam's life. What does that mean? When you commission somebody to the grace of God, Paul described his ministry as the grace that had been given unto him. And the grace that had been given unto him was to take the gospel to the Gentile so that God's grace working in his life would mean salvation to the Gentiles. Are you with me? And so God's grace is power that works through us, that brings us great benefit to others through our life. The Holman uh, Christian Study Bible says it like this. We do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone. So God's grace in his life enabled him, empowered him. How do you make it through that? How do you endure everything that Jesus endured in that short three and a half years of ministry that he had, being despised, being rejected? John starts out said he came to his own, his own received him not. So being despised, being rejected by his own, being abandoned, left alone, enduring the mockery and the shame and the pain, being able to pray through in Gethsemane, God's grace working in his life, God's power strengthening him, even in his weakness, we forget that Jesus was all man. He, he didn't do anything by divine divinity. He didn't do it by being uh, uh, co-equal with God. He didn't do it out of God's nature. He did it by God's grace. Do you understand what I'm saying about that? That, that? that he didn't have more grace or more power because he was the firstborn, the son of God. He didn't have a benefit that we are not, that is not available to us is the best way I know how to say that. The grace of God that's available to you and I is the same grace that was upon his life. The Holy Spirit that is now God's promise to you and I is the same spirit and the same anointing that was upon his life. That's why Jesus says, he that believes in me and the work that I do shall he do also. Because we're recipients of the same grace and the same power. Somebody ought to say amen. Think, follow with me this morning. Look at this. Grace for him meant being ranked lower than created angels and experiencing death for our sin. Grace today is being prayed. That it means God's going to promote you. God's going to give you favor. Everything will work out for your good. Everything's going to turn around. It's just all going to be hunky-dory. It's just going to be great, great, great. Because of grace, grace, grace. Somebody ought to shout Amen. We go, yeah, I love that. Glory to God. God says, well, my grace means I need to send you someplace because I can only reach people through people. That's why I said to Sam, ministry is all about, all the, the ministry, all there is to ministry is serving people, working with people, giving your life away for people. Oh, I feel God calling me to, to the ministry. Okay, then go give your life away for people. Because ministry is all about people. It's reaching people. It's not about us having position or status or title. What did Jesus say? I didn't come to be great. I came to be the servant of all. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Watch this. But So what he did through grace upon him is salvation to us. Get this. His walk of grace is now life for us. I have to ask myself this question. Is my walk of grace producing life for anybody else? Does my walk of grace produce life for anybody else? Is God by His grace able to get His love to somebody else? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He gave His Son in His grace. Because he said, the only way I can redeem them is through my son. So I'll give my son, and my grace will be at work at him. And my grace working through him will be reconciliation of souls to me. Amen? Of humanity back to me. Watch this. Ephesians 2 says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even as we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ by grace. You are saved. I think we say that, I'm saved by grace. Okay, let's go back and read what we said. That grace is the grace that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That he would experience death for you to be saved. Are you with me? That grace 
is the empowerment upon his life to experience death that we, to take it as we just read, that he might experience death for every individual. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God's gift. So Paul's talking about grace, but it's the grace that was on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace working on him became a gift to us. See, to declare we're saved by grace is easy to say, but to fully comprehend the depth of it, I'm not sure we ever will. That's what's so amazing. All these years I've been studying the Bible, it's amazing. Every, every time you get in there, God shows you there's more in there. You go, wait a minute, I never saw that. And sometimes he'll trigger one word that makes you look at something, the next thing you know, you're going, wow. And so the, these are the unsearchable riches of Christ. The depth. Mine is not seen in the, the depth and the height and the width and the expanse of God's love toward us, but he keeps revealing it to us. Amen? It's so awesome. Think about it. So discovering grace, I don't know if we'll ever get it all. So much of what we hear about grace comes short of revealing the full truth concerning grace. Its purpose, its power, working through us for the benefit of others, not ourselves. I want you to catch that. God's grace is His power working through you for the benefit of others. Working through you. Tuesday night, we're, we're going to keep going and we'll take this a little bit further. And even looking, we're going to look more about Paul's ministry and how he defined uh, God's grace upon his life. So grace is so much more than just my personal credit card with God. How many would agree? Or my excuse not to live in complete obedience to God's word. What do I mean by that? You'll hear people today say, well, I know the Bible says, but I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Yeah, you are. You are under grace. Amen. And grace still has an obedience to it. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell people this all the time. No, you're not under law, but you're still under commandment. <laughs> Amen. And so, but God, great. And that's the great thing. When it comes to all this, God's grace working through it, he empowers us to do. We'll see this in just a moment. Watch it. So it's more than liberty and license. I love Glenn Bertoz. I've been reading through this. And uh, so... Uh, uh, he wrote this book called Christianity Light. I asked the folks uh, Tuesday night if we ordered some, if they would uh, want to read it, and, and uh, we dealt with it. But uh, several years ago, uh, how many remember the old Wendy's commercial, Where's the Beef? <laughs> remember that? And so a hamburger is supposed to be more than just a fluffy bun. It's supposed to have some substance on the inside. How many know Christianity is supposed to be the same way? And so years ago, when the first light beer came out, this is what they said. And it's an interesting statement. If you'll watch advertising, it'll tell you where our culture is. If you want to know the mindset of our culture, just look how advertising is shaped and what people are buying into. So watch this. The first light beer was a huge hit. The ad showed two crowds shouting their favorite attributes of the beer. One yelled, tastes great. The other responded, less filling. Both benefits were attractive to prospective beer drinkers who didn't want to sacrifice taste when they saved a few calories. During the Super Bowl, a competing beer company came out with their best ad. This time, they claimed their, bill was more, their beer was more of what you want and less of what you don't want. Okay? Think about that. How attractive is that? If you ask my flesh what it wants... If we ask your flesh, you ask your flesh, yes, you your flesh what it wants, it'll tell you. It longs for applause, comfort, freedom, control, and wealth. It, but it doesn't want discipline, sacrifice, confession, serving at any cost at all. It wants promises, plenty, pleasure, not pain. Amen? Amen? So your flesh goes, that's what I want. I, mean, I want something that's less filling and tastes great. I want something that satisfies without placing too much of demand upon my life. And that's where we've taken grace, and that's what's happened. And so the new beer was such a big hit that many other foods adopted the strategy. Suddenly we had light margarine, light cheese, light cookies, light chocolate, decaffeinated coffee, sugar substitutes. We even have light spam. <laughs> and now we have Christianity light. It tastes great, but it's less filling. It feels good, but it has no power. It promises more of what we want, less of what we don't want, and people are buying it like crazy. The problem is when advertisers promise that their product, is few, their product has fewer calories, they've meant 
they mean they have tampered with the original. They want us to think it tastes the same and looks the same, but it's fundamentally changed. And that's what's happening to Christianity today. When we're reshaping it, in order to change something, you have to fundamentally rearrange things. And so God's grace has been fundamentally rearranged. And, 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 and we just want, uh, it, we have all these easy definitions to it and not the demands that the gospel places upon our life. To be commended to the grace of God means to be entrusted, given a charge, delivered with confidence. Think about it. Being under God's grace, God says, I'm going to entrust you with this. As, as I was reading to Sam, and, and, and I do a little word search on, on, on one of my apps in my Bible, and you find out that Paul over and over saying, I charge you. I charge you. I charge you. I charge you. And, and so there's a commissioning. There's an entrusting. There's a commending that's being given. I, I charge you. Make full proof. And so there's a grace that is upon our life. It's God working through us. Part of God's grace is His desire to work through our life, to use us. He's made us His only plan. Amen? And so it's so awesome to see how God works in our life. Grace is what has been given to us, entrusted to us, and delivered into our charge with the confidence that we will fulfill the purpose connected to it. God's entrance into time comes through His grace in our lives. And I said it, uh, I said it first time two weeks ago on Sunday morning. God just illustrated this in, in how He works in our life when we're talking about where's Frank and reaching out and believing that God wants to use us to reach our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our neighbors, and our kids' friends. Amen? But through that, how's He going to do that? He's going to do it through the empowerment of grace. God says to a young man like Kyle, I said, Kyle, I have a call upon your life. Kyle goes, okay, I believe God's called me. God wants to use me. What does that mean? It means that God's grace is going to be working through his life, and God will grace him to do what he's calling him to do or what he desires to do through him. God will grace him to be able to accomplish that. And when he says yes to the grace of God working in his life, he's going to come up against, well, I can't do it this way. I can't fulfill God's plan and do it this way, even though my flesh wants to do it that way, even though that's the way I would desire to do it and I would like to do it. I can't do it that way. And so to be able to say no to my desires and my plan, God's grace empowers me to say yes to his. Are you with me? And so that's how it all works. How many remember Paul wrote, one of the greatest ways to see that is Paul going, writing to the church at Rome. He says, man, I want to go to Rome. The number one place Paul always wanted to go was Rome. And he said, man, I long to see you. I'm writing to you again. I know you think I'm not coming. I keep telling you I'm coming. I want to go. But every time I want to go to Rome and I try to direct and make my plans go there, God redirect me because his plan is for me to be here. And then if you watch Paul's life, you see that by the grace of God, God worked it all out and that desire was there. But the way he got to Rome would not have been his choice. To go there bound, to be imprisoned, and to get there. And the way to get there and to stand before king. Because you remember when God showed up in his life, he said, Paul, I've called you and, and, and I've appeared to you for this purpose. And revealed his purpose, that you be a light to the Gentile. And, and to, to pierce the darkness. And to stand before kings and before leaders. And to speak to nations. And the way he did that was always through Paul was taking him to prison. But Paul was graced to be in prison. So you look at the power of God's grace, giving us the strength to endure, to be able to answer his call, to get the gospel to those that he needs to get it to through our lives. So God's entrance into time comes through his grace in our lives. Great grace was upon the church in the book of Acts, and the same grace is to be upon us as well. With God's grace and power of the Holy Spirit equipping and enabling us, there is nothing we cannot do and endure for the glory of God. How many agree with that? Amen. So grace is the favor of God upon our lives in various circumstances and under various conditions, but it is also more. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and this helps us clear it up just a little bit. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 in the English uh, standard version says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul is experiencing all these conflicts. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 prior to this, you read how many times he's been whipped, how many times he's been beaten with rods, how many times he's been stoned, how many times he's been shipwrecked in the persecution, in the perils, everything that he went to, and yet he keeps going on. How do you bear up under that? We give up if somebody doesn't like our idea today. 
It's amazing. But, but there's a grace. How, how are you able to be beaten and to be imprisoned and thrown in a dungeon and still raise your hands and praise God and worship God? In the midst of through the power of grace. What I'm trying to say to you is that if you will study grace and look at what grace is defined as in the Word of God, not what's being preached, but what's being proclaimed in God's Word. Are you with me this morning? You'll find out that there is a power for your life. So when you're going through, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I hear people all the time, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I just don't feel it. Then anytime you feel weak, you're a candidate for grace. Because God has a plan that He's wanting to work in your life. God wants to come into your space of time and He wants to work through your life and He brings the grace to do it, the enablement, the empowerment to do it and to bring His will accomplished through your life through the power of His grace. Paul finishes there and he says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power, the dunamis of Christ, may rest upon me. So when God said, My grace is sufficient, Paul translated grace as power. Do you see that right there? Paul, Paul, Paul's praying, Lord, I, I can't enable, I can't endure. I have this, I'm just messenger of Satan. I'm buffeted everywhere I go. Every time Paul preached the gospel, he was almost rejected. Almost every time. He, he got run out of more towns than he was ever accepted into. How many know that can get discouraging? Because all you're trying to do is help people. That's why I say the only, the, the only thing there is to ministry is, is helping people. Amen. The greatest joy in ministry is helping people. And then, and, and then you read Paul's letter. What did he say? He said, you know, Demas has forsaken me. Hymenius and Philetus have, have done me great heart. Alexander the Cop. And he lists all these people that have fought against him. But yet he keeps on preaching the gospel. He keeps on declaring it. And then you get to the end of this letter. But Because in the middle of that, there's some others. And he reminds, hey, greet those in the church in so-and-so's house. And greet those that are doing the work. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But grace empowers you to keep going regardless of the outcome. Amen? You're not just driven by, by the positive, but you make it through the negative by the power of grace. You ought to shout amen this morning. See, multiple times in, in Paul's letters, he pronounced, he used a pronouncement or salutation, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Think about that. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I was saying, well, what does that mean? Other places Paul said like that. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So if grace can be multiplied, it must come in measure. If peace can be multiplied, then it comes in a measure. You, you, you can't multiply something that can't increase in quantity. Are you with me? So grace and peace can increase in quantity over our life. So if, there, if there's, I've always been like this. If there's more available, why wouldn't I want it? If God has more, why wouldn't I want it? If, if grace can be multiplied in my life, and I start seeing that how grace worked on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that grace is now upon us, and Paul is declaring to, to his churches over and over, grace to you and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God be upon you. The grace of God be with you. Enable you, empower you, equip you, strengthen you. Think about it. In 1 Timothy 1.14, Paul says this. He says, And our Lord poured out His abundant grace on me and gave me the faith and love which are ours in union with Christ. So God poured out His abundant grace in the same way that He pours out His Holy Spirit. So it is also something we are to continue in. In Acts 13 and 43, they encourage the church, continue in the grace of God. And what I'm saying, the reason we're teaching on this on Tuesday, because grace is literally, I don't want to say the single most, but, but it's one of the, the, the key factors of understanding. If we don't understand the grace of God, we miss it. So many times as believers, we feel, well, where do I get the strength? Where, where, where do I get the endurance? How am I going to make it through this? There's grace available for every storm, every situation, every trial, every circumstance. God has great grace available for your life. Why? Because His plan is to work through you. How many have read to the letter to the churches? Isn't it interesting that the letter to the seven churches in the book of Revelation all says, To him that overcomes. 
to him that overcome, which means that there, there, there's, there's conflict, there's adversity, and, and there's something that we are to triumph over, to be the victor over. So how do we make it through all of that? By God's grace, by God's power upon our life. And so when we get in there, anytime you get in a time of weakness and you feel like you can't make it, then you just need to stop. Wait a minute. If I'm weak, then this is the moment when he becomes strong in my life. When I'm weak, this is the moment that He becomes strong in my life. And so I begin thanking God for His grace that is at work in my life. And it changes. And then you find yourself, you're like Paul and Silas, and you're at that midnight hour. And, and, and that circumstance that you're in, that's your dungeon. That's your dark place. That's a place where you feel like you're shackled by life, and you've been beaten, and you're wounded, and you're sore, and you're aching. But wait a minute. Even at this moment, I can begin to praise Him. And the power of God's grace at that moment got grace of Christ, the power of Christ comes upon you and you begin, Father, I thank you. Jesus, I worship you. I magnify you. And in that moment, then that grace breaks in. The chains fall off. The doors open up and you're let out victorious. Somebody ought to shout amen. Because grace is available to us for that very purpose. So think about it. There's also reference to those who have done despite to the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10 verse 29, and that word despite their meanings to insult or to outrage the Holy Ghost. Woo! But he's called the spirit of grace who have done despite to the spirit of grace. Not just grace, but we just, see, we think of grace as just this floating thing out there. Grace is this nebulous of God's favor, whatever. Grace is the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit of grace. And when Paul's saying grace be upon you, power be upon you, Jesus said like this, in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with power. Grace and power go hand in hand. The Spirit of grace and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. It's the dynamic dual working, the anointing, the power, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. Amen? Wow. Let me ask you this. So when I understand it, I find out that the power of grace comes upon us and gives us the power to say yes. How am I going to do this? Sometimes I think we can believe things, I don't know if this makes sense, but kind of out of ignorance. There's things that I believe God would do in my life and just had confidence that He would do it and not really knowing why I believed it. I mean, know what I'm saying. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I can say it or articulate just right. But I just had this confidence that God would do it. Why? Because His grace, His grace gives that to us. His grace gives it. Because when I'm allowing His grace to work, I'm not making things up for myself. There's times when I know I'm in this and I'm making this happen because I think I'm going to show God I'm going to do something really good for Him. And in those times, I have no confidence. But in the times where I feel like I, I, I can't do it, that's the time I'm at my most peace because I know His grace is upon us and He will enable us to do this. Let me ask you this. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to die to self and live to God? What does it mean to put to death your members? These are all just statements in, in our Bible. What does it mean to crucify the flesh? How many have ever enjoyed doing that? How many know that's hard to do? Amen. My flesh screams ice cream all the time. Every Friday morning, my flesh screams cocoa puffs. Amen. My excuse is my grandson eats them with me. There you go. So, because he's there, we have an extra large bowl. All right. Because my flesh loves cocoa puffs. You know, I could be feeding him oatmeal or something else. You know, we could be having yogurt and fruit or something, but I don't think so. Amen. <laughs> Why? Let me ask you this. What does it mean to count the cost and follow him as a disciple? Where do we find the strength to put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge? Listen, you are saved by grace. You are saved. Let me give it to you another way. You are saved by grace through faith. Now let me put this into perspective. You are saved by faith in the grace of God's power working in your life. Faith in the grace. Faith 
in the power of God's grace to work in your life. Grace that enables you to put to death your flesh. Grace that enables you to put off the old man. Why? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit put his fruit on the inside of us, his nature, his character. And so God, great, when I draw on grace, I find the power to be, to have self-control, to have patience, to show love, joy, gentleness, temperance, meekness, all those things working in my life by the power of grace. By grace I am saved through faith. Faith in the working of God's grace and power in and through my life that brings me to Him. So where do we find that strength to put off the old man? Through grace. Where do we get the ability and the power to be able to answer this call of God upon our life? By grace. Watch this. See, God grace. sometimes we're walking in grace and we don't even realize it. God's power is working in our life, and we turn around and go, oh man, isn't that awesome? I'm not really sure how I got here, because grace was working in your life, whether you knew it or not. Are you with me this morning? Are we helping anybody? All right, let me just this. What does it mean to be saved? I like what Pastor Glenn says. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to be joined with Him in death and resurrection. Jesus loved the Father with all of His heart. We'll love the Father with all of our hearts. Jesus obeyed the Father even when it cost Him His life. It means we'll obey even when it's inconvenient and painful. We choose righteous living and obedience not only when we're in church on Sunday morning, but all day, every day. We live for God, not for ourselves. We study God's Word. We pray. We give. We serve. We act like disciples of Christ. Not to earn points with God and twist His arm so He'll bless us, but because we've already been blessed beyond anything we can imagine. Amen? I love it. When we trust in Jesus, we join him in death, and his blood pays for our sins. He raises us from the dead to new life. The Christian life, then, isn't just different, diff a different set of moral laws, rigid rules, or habits to follow. It's dying to ourselves and being raised back to life in him. Not everything different. Nothing is the same. Things that used to be important begin to lose their grip in our heart. We want, to know, we, we want to know, love, serve, and honor God out of a full heart of thankfulness. Our purposes change. Our hearts are transformed. And our loyalties are forever altered. Amen? That's what it means to be saved, to be born again. Listen to that. But what happens if we don't have a right understanding of grace? How many have ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Amen. Great German guy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer rose up as a voice in his generation during the reign of Adolf Hitler. And he refused to, to, to con, uh, comply with the requirements of a state-mandated church and religion. And he stood as a voice, voice for truth, and he ended up being hanged. He was a martyr, standing for the truth. So where did he get the power to do that, even to give up his life and choose not to recant? He did it by the power of God's grace working in his life. He defined this. See, I put down here, our definition of grace will make all the difference. Cheap grace or costly grace, only one is in the Bible. There's no such thing as grace light. There's no such thing as Christianity light, guys. The other morning I was getting up and I just reading again in Matthew 7. Jesus said, hey, hey. Do your due diligence to enter by the narrow gate. By the narrow path and the straight gate. It, it's not wide, it's narrow. Do every, strive, listen to what he said. Strive to enter in. It takes grace of working on our lives to enter in. It's not an easy thing to enter the kingdom. These are those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. Faith and patience, the power of God's grace working on our lives. Amen. Bonhoeffer described cheap grace like this. It is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Without requiring baptism, without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. In contrast, he said costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It's costly because it compels a man to submit, submit to the yoke of Christ and follow Him. It is grace because Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let me just say this in closing. Bill, if you come back keyboard real quick. The other morning after reading that in the study and studying for this and preparing, that verse 
of Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye who are levy, heavy laden, burdened and heavy laden, and I and you will find rest for your soul. Come and learn in me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But a yoke is literally a position of servanthood. When you put a yoke on oxen, you lead them and you direct them and they're under that yoke. But see, there's a yoke and a burden that the world places upon us. And then there's a yoke and a burden of Christ upon our life. And His is easy. Why is His easy? Because under the yoke and the burden of the world, whose power are you under? My own. The only ability that I'm equipped with is my own. And so we see people all the time having breakdowns because they have no more strength, no more power, no more ability for endurance in life. But in Christ, when you come under His yoke, in His burden, it comes through grace. And grace strengthens us and enables us and empowers us. Maybe you're here today and you just feel the yoke and the burden of life upon you. See, being saved doesn't mean I'm immune from difficulty. The great thing about being saved is that in difficulty, I'm a candidate for power. God's grace. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe this morning you're here. And just that weight, just that yoke. But God wanted you to hear this message. There's a reason God had me preach this this morning again to everybody. Because we need to know that God's grace, you are saved by grace. The grace of God was upon the Lord Jesus Christ that He, through grace, would taste death for you. And then like Paul, when you just accept by faith that power that worked on your behalf. Then by faith I believe that that power is working continually in and through my life. Because God has a purpose. He has a plan for each and every one of our lives. He doesn't want you overburdened and pressed down. See if I just buy into a Christianity light theme. Then I find myself back at that place of just being burdened down by life, carrying all the weights and, and, and feeling like I just can't make it and I, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, and, and, and just overrun by the pressures of life. But then God's grace rises now. And every time His grace shows up in my life and I tap into that power, something begins to stir on the inside of me. And God wants to bring a stirring into your life. Come on, just stand with me this morning just as we close.